We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, joined today on International Weekend uh, with by Ben Wade and Norman Riley. Uh, got a podcast today for you because there's so much to talk about, even though there is no real football on. Uh, much like the summer when Newcastle don't play, everything just seems to fall apart. No one's buying where we've been pied off by where celebrity <laughs> Middle Eastern representative buyer, um, you know, £500 million worth of transfer deals are. Um, being investigated. I don't know whether they're going to include other clubs in that because there's no way we we spend five hundred million quid. They'll have to go back to Canny. Yeah, they'll <laughs> have to go back to like the mid eighties <laughs> to to reach that amount for Newcastle. Um, and we've got we've got players battering each other in training. Um, so yeah, so I've 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 joined the lads for a, an international weekend podcast where we're going to discuss the start of the season. Uh, you know, see how we think we've done, what we could have done better, what we've done better than we thought we might have, and also look ahead to the next kind of four or five games, see where we'll be at the start of December. And then uh, also a little bit of stuff on flags. And then I put on Twitter what you, the fans or listeners, want to uh, hear us talk about. And you decided it was Sky Sports trying to make us and other clubs play on Christmas Eve. So a bit of that later. Uh, Norman, I'll start with you. Um, Newcastle started the season after seven games. How do you rate it? Um, I rate it successful. Uh, obviously, defeats defeats are signals as a fan. But if you look at the the performances, I mean, Huddersfield and Brighton were okay. You could say that we we maybe could have been more adventurous. Um, but at the same time, the the game plans that we had, the game plan we had against Huddersfield, I think was quite obvious. Um, and unfortunately, Huddersfield scored a cracking goal, and we just we just seemed to struggle to. To get anything going, um, I don't think we necessarily deserve to lose the game, but it will be a stretch to say we deserve to win. Um, right in the way, I mean, we, we only mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It was just a, it was just a dull game from both sides. Neither side played particularly well. Um, we again, unfortunately, didn't didn't go out to attack what I, I would consider to be a, a pretty weak side. But then again, we did create a few chances uh, that, that weren't put away. And, you know, if Hossello had scored or if Perez's chance had gone in, it, it could have been something entirely different. Um, and I suppose you have to factor in the fact that both Brighton and Huddersfield, the teams that were promoted alongside us, they they were up for those games. Um, the crowd was up for them. And I don't know, I mean, I'm saying it, but it's typical Newcastle, yeah, but to a certain extent... I'm not massively surprised you lost them. I don't think you deserve to lose them, but I'm not usually surprised. It, it sometimes feels like you think, oh, 
even though you really say this now because we've got you know a completely different um, coaching staff and manager, but it just felt like a typical Newcastle, Huddersfield and Brighton getting their first kind of big wins in bed with crowds behind them against us. It's it's no surprise. Um, the um, the other defeat against Spurs. I mean, the the big thing in that game was obviously the the Shelby sending off. I mean, yes, Spurs had a lot of the ball, but we you know again we've discussed this before. We restricted them. The game plan was working perfectly. Um, Lejeune going off was a big blow. And then obviously Shelby going off just kind of, to a certain extent, ended the game as a contest because they are a quality side and they'll punish you if you drop down to, to 10 men. Um, and the other games we've um, we've won, um, obviously like you mentioned the other week, we, we won ones each against Liverpool. Um, <laughs> you, can't, you can't fault the performances. The, the, every, every single one of them worked out, worked out more or less perfectly as to how, how the team was set up. Um, and even against... Even against Liverpool, again, a game that the that the opposition had a lot of the ball, a lot of shots, but shots that never really troubled us, and um, and we could have nicked it at the end. So um, all in all, really positive. The the big disappointments, obviously, um, Shelby getting sent off, Lejeune's injury, and Mitrovic um, obviously misbehaving yet again. They they're the disappointments on, on the playing side. Um, the disappointment on a on a general side is the fact that. Rafa wasn't given the funds to get in at least two or three of the players that he probably had in his, you know, at the top of his list. Um, but that's, I suppose, for now we have to just forget about that and concentrate on what we have. And all in all, I'm feeling extremely positive. And and looking at the next four games, then again, you know, the, the positivity increases. That is one of the most comprehensive answers I've ever I was had. Going to say, a come, question, up, Norman. Come, come up for breath, Norman. <laughs> Yeah. Very, very accurate though very good to, I, I'm pretty, yeah, pretty much agree with everything we should just cancel it now thanks That's so it. much Thank thanks you. for listening yeah. <laughs> Norman just absolutely nailed it yeah there's so little I can disagree there uh, with you Norman I think that one of the shames about Shelby getting sent off um, apart from that game I believe he would have I mean it's it's a two dual edged thing because I think if Shelby doesn't get sent off against Spurs he plays against Brighton and would beat Brighton Um but then does does Marino get like shine? Yeah, like you say, get his shot. Probably because he's fucking mint, and I think he brings him into the team anyway. But you know, maybe so that you know it's all if buts and maybes. But I think that sending off had, and obviously Shelby doesn't play at Huddersfield mm-hmm. again against Huddersfield with Dwight Gale playing. Will, will probably it probably Shelby's so important to the way we do things. It probably could have been a completely different game. But Ben, we've only beaten teams in the bottom half of the table. I mean, the table is still embryonic, but. Does it bother you at all um, that, you know, we're, we're kind of seem to be flat-track bullies a little bit so far? Or is that what, just what we need to be this season? No, no, I've not got a problem with that at all. <laughs> as long as we're beating them, yeah. we're going to be ahead of them, aren't we? Um, there's, there's plenty, I think, to be honest as well, the way the Premier League's been the last few years, there's been a lot of that in terms of the the top teams aren't really dropping points. Everyone's bottom points. half below seventh. Exactly, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's the top teams don't drop points now. Like yeah. Everyone's, like... The, all the, the big teams are getting further and further apart they're, they're spending more money they're obviously more difficult so the fact that we're, we're, we're giving Spurs a good game and nearly took a point off them there's not many teams will do that this season um, and then Liverpool again we're, I guess we'll call them at a, a out of form patch but um, as you say we, we could have easily nicked that and we, we do seem to always sort of save for best for, for the big teams I mean I remember the last time in the Premier League Went on that little run where we were tuning up against Chelsea, beat Liverpool. So this is interesting, Ben, because um, that team was heavily criticised for saving it <laughs> against the big boys on telly. Uh, 
is it different this time or do you think it's more just the fact that do we find it easier because of the players we've got and the manager we've got to play against those teams than maybe I think, a Brighton I think it's I mean it's maybe just I mean there's probably an element of the fact that they, they don't like coming off we say it all the time yeah. they don't like coming here and we've actually got I mean the, the way the team's set up now is completely different I mean back then it was just a case of <laughs> hang, hang on for dear life until half time and see if we're still in the game or not and then we'll, we'll try and nick it second half whereas this team um, are dri- well drilled they're going to be in games at half time there's not I don't see this team get really getting too many hidings and, and being out of a game at half time so the way Rafa's got to play and would look really solid um, and, and there's going to be opportunities there for, for where to beat teams as a result of that it means that the, the, the lesser teams come to us and haven't got the ability haven't got the quality um, to, to break us down and then it because they get more frustrated, it maybe in, induces more mistakes, and, and we can pick them off. Um, so I think for for the first year back in the Premier League, it's it's you've got to consolidate your position. Um, we know it's it's so important. I mean, a year, a year out has had a massive impact on on the club in terms of um, the business we do. So I, I think I'm I'm more than happy being able to go and take West Ham and Stoke apart. <laughs> yeah, as as we all are and were. Um, yeah, for me, no one. I think you said last uh, last podcast episode we did. I think it's, I'm no good at the maths, but ten points every seven games translates into something like fifty four points across the season, um, which would be you know a really good return for us first season um, in back in the Premier League, and, and it's what we kind of predicted as well would happen. Apart from Bolland, who said we're <laughs> going to be right in amongst it, which we still <laughs> might be. He said he might be proved right. Um, you know the it's. I made the point there, Norman, about you know everyone outside the top six really is bottom half. You know, let's exclude Burnley, who seemed now to be a permanent member of the top six. Um, you know, the next four games, uh, Norman, aren't against anyone in that top six. You know, do you think we? You, I'll, I'll extend it. Do you think we go into December, Chelsea away? Do you see us picking up positive results? And if so, is it almost like the? Focus of the season has to change from survival into finishing as what I mean, a finishing high as possible, as goes without saying. But just say we picked up, I don't know, nine more points in 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 the next four or five games. That puts us on twenty points when really you only need thirty six to thirty eight to survive. With a hell of a lot of the season to go, or am I getting ahead of myself here? And is it just kind of like no, it's going to be a slog all the way through? I don't think you're getting ahead of yourself at all. I mean, let's have a look. Southampton away, win. Palace home, win. Burnley away, win. Bournemouth home, win. Man U away, draw. Watford home, win. That's it. There you go. That's, that's, that's done. Um, <laughs> if, um, I mean, what these games that are coming up, you know, like you say, by, by the time we come to Chelsea, so what we've got there, we've got four, five, seven games. Now, there's no reason, looking at the fixtures, we can't pick out four wins there, so that would take one to 22 points um, before, before Christmas. And I don't... I'm not. I'm, I'm. You know. I'm not the kind of person to, to get ahead of yourself when it comes to, uh, especially when it comes to Newcastle United. I just. I'm just going with, with what you know. What I see is is the kind of raw fact in front of us, and we've got, we've got a well organised side that will pick up points against the teams. You know, I see it around us, but that is ultimately anyone from seventh down to the bottom. Um, and I've harped on about it before, but again, if you look at the, the competitiveness between the teams from seventh downwards, I mean, they're so, they're so well balanced. Apart from maybe the bottom two last season, you had that as I say, the Southampton finishing eighth on forty six points or whatever it was. So there really is 
no reason why we can't have the look at the fixtures. The, I would say the forty points in the bag by sort of mid March. Um, obviously, with Benitez in charge, his aim will be to finish as high up that table as possible. Um, and to, to go into December with 19, 20 points on the board, of course we're not safe from relegation. It's ridiculous to say that. But at the same time, I think um, we could use that as a platform to really kick on and say, you know what, why can't we finish in the top 10? I'm, I'm confident. I'm very confident of it. I, 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 you know, I agree with you, Norman. But I'm just looking at the screen here. England are playing Lithuania soon. Harry Winks and... Jordan Henderson midfield too is just like uh, I, I don't even have the words to describe how demoralising it is to say that is my national team um, you know I kind of you know John Joe and, and Isaac even though Hayden's probably not even in our best midfield he's still fucking better than them I mean, he is like, that's, that's the joke though the, the, I mean Henderson is, is a good player I think he gets a lot of shit but he is a good footballer but um, you know what's Wings done to get an England call yeah but less, less of England I just can't believe that's the national team starting two home like central midfielders, Harry Rink, Rink, Rinks, Winks, and Jordan Henderson is absolutely fucking brutal. Um, ben, I, <laughs> ben, Winks, I, the kid Winks, is a completely tenuous link here. But um, when I, I mean, I, I barely know what he looks like. But when I think of him, for some reason, every time I think of him, his name, I think of Henry Winkler who played the Fonz. Well, like the Fonz now, another fat, the big fat actor who played the Fonz, and I just keep picturing him in the centre midfield for England, and it's a really odd. <laughs> Odd, uh, odd picture that have you made. Time will, else time will tell if that picture isn't to be proved accurate in terms of performance. Um, yeah, just a little quick one in international football. I was just telling Ben off air how you know I'm a little bit different to Ben. Uh, ben hates all the other home nations. Um, I kind of you know pissed me off last year. Wales's fans having a go. Well, I want all I want all the home nations to qualify really. Um, on Ireland as well, you know, not that it would be silly enough to include Ireland as a home nation, but we're, we're all the same. We're, we're all support Newcastle, so there's plenty Irish, Scottish, Irish, Welsh, <laughs> two islands there, uh, Newcastle fans, so great. But you'd think Gordon Strachan had taken over some kind of team that had never won an international game before and taken them to the brink of the World Cup final. The way they're going on, it's like Gordon's promised were from the, you know, he's delivered were from the promised land, he's... He's turned Scottish football around. It's like lads, you might finish fourth in this group. <laughs> let's let's calm down under like the, the the knighthood of Gordon Strachan until he's actually qualified for something. Um, <laughs> Slovenia and Slovakia have far less resources than Scotland as a footballing nation. Far less players playing in the top European leagues. So just chill out a bit about Gordon Strachan. He's a deeply average manager who's not really achieved anything within the game from a, a managerial perspective. But enough of that. We've uh, diverted here quite a bit. Um. Where were we? Right, yep, Newcastle this season. Um, ben, what could we have done better, do you think? I know obviously the, the three defeats will stick out and you can say win them games, but is there, is there anything you thought at the start of the season would be better at than we have been? Um, not really, to be honest. I, th- I think... I mean, you have to look... At, I think to answer that, you have to look at the games individually. So Norman's already gone through the, the Huddersfield and the Brighton games, and I think... I mean, I think we were a bit unlucky in in both games. We didn't deserve to lose either of them. Um, I think they meant a lot more to those two teams as well. They they had a bit more needle in them because of what had happened last year. We we, we beat them comfortably towards the end of last season on the way to winning the league, and I think that sort of needle probably had a bit more emphasis on that I'll game. I'll give you an result. example. Someone to back up your point, Ben. I can't. I hate not crediting people, but I forget. I, I don't have like a notebook with this when I'm 
scrolling through Twitter, someone said that those two... Norman, you might know this, because it was a little bit before our time. Someone likened those two defeats at Huddersfield and Brighton to when we, when we got beat, was it the 0-2-0-3 season at uh, Man City? First game, and it was like their first game back in the Premier League under Keegan, and like apparently we just failed to cope with how up for the game. Like We were obviously a really good team at the, site, at the time, but we just failed to cope with how buzzing that stadium was and how much that team was. And I kind of, just to back up your point, I thought that was a really good point someone made um, because it was the same at Brighton Huddersfield. We went into that game and it wasn't really, a, neither of those games were big games for us, no. but were massive games for the opposition. Yeah. I think as well, just the timing of them being at this early early in the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the Huddersfield one was their first home game in the Premier League, wasn't it? Yeah. So the fanfare and a massive, I mean, a massive, massive deal to them. So it just the the emotional factor I think Kate came into that as well and okay it, it didn't turn didn't reciprocate on the t- on the on the field <laughs> no, as, as sort of having any sort of uh, quality really or any anything to get excited about but it just I just feel like there was a lot more on those games for those two teams and maybe you could say well our our players should have been up for it as well but I just feel like from from their fans there was a lot more sort of at stake for them and it was one of those where. We, the two two similar teams in the way they approached the games. Neither team was was looking to really take take the other apart, and neither was looking to attack. Um, and it it, it ended up it was one of those games you you said I think at the time um when we were watching the I think it was the Huddersfield one that the first goal here is going to win it, and and you can't really buy too much into that. I think the only thing is you would have hoped we'd have a bit more character about it uh, to probably be able to to. Uh, recover from going go a uh, goal behind, especially in the the, um, the Huddersfield game, but it, it happened. Um, I think in terms of the the other games, though, looking at them, um, I mean the Spurs one. I mean, how many times have we really, in the last few years, had a quality team? I mean, Spurs. Everyone said at the time, finished second in the last two years. Have come scored with thirteen all, goals in the exactly, last two away games. Like yeah. they've been smashing well, it. What is it? The last the last eleven away games. Was the, it averaging the, three or four goals yeah, a game? Yeah, they've won every single game. Yeah. Not drawn, won every single game yeah. apart. Um, not apart from us, but like, because uh, the beat were. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like we, we, we've basically been the only away game in which they've had any kind of a game. Yeah. They've just steamrolled past everyone else. And that and that's the, the point to take. I think it's this, we, we finally, for after years and years of just looking like an easy three points for, for anyone really that rolls in and, and is up for it, we, we actually look like we're, we're were really really difficult to beat and it's a, it's not a nice place to come anymore um and that's what it was back back when we were really good um so i mean I'd, to be honest yes we could have been a bit more clinical i mean i think there's a lot of positives in terms of certain players that we didn't think would be good enough so atsu at times had had brilliant games last season but we were we were worried at the start of the year that no, is I, it, is i'll it go, go further than that we we did the uh, end of season podcast ben and we're all Unanimously agreed yeah. that he wasn't good enough. We're wrong, and and he's come in and actually, sort of. I suppose it's it's the positions he's in. The difference is last year he, he teams were sitting back yeah, and he he didn't have like, space. Yeah. He's 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 a player him, yeah. exactly, but he's a player that relies on on having space to run at defenders and, and utilizing that. So I guess it's the, the he's another player that the Premier League is going to suit better. We've said it about ourselves as well. His his level of performance has gone through the roof and. He's keeping Lejeune out of the team. He was a bit a big, well, one of our big money signings over the, the yeah. summer. So there's a lot of positives there, and a lot of surprises in, in that. I think in terms of the personnel, but um, 
at, at the same time, I'm not surprised the way we're playing. That I, this is exactly what I expected from Rafa, and he's he's pulled it off brilliantly. Norman, I'll flip that to you. Then, what have you seen this season that we've done that's impressed you? Maybe you thought that we wouldn't be as good at as we have been. Yeah, I think yeah, no, I mean, what I'm surprised with is um, the the amount of chances that, that we are creating. Um, all right, we haven't been prolific in front of goal, but um, in every game we've played, I think, barring possibly Spurs, when you know that was a, a bit of an anomaly due to the fact that we had Shelby sent off. Um, I think we've created like a good two or three clear cut chances, um, and that that's that surprised me. Surprised me to the extent that. Um, you know, the, I suppose that there's always that slight fear when you're promoted that you know the step up's going to be absolutely huge because the way that obviously the way that people go on about the Premier League compared to the Championship is as if there's this you know this gigantic unbridgeable gap. Um, I mean, there isn't. There is a big gap, obviously, but the, us coming up, I, I suppose I was initially thinking, oh god, well we've got more or less the same squad that we had in the Championship. This is, you know. The Premier League is what it is. It's you know it's a it's vicious, brutal place, and um, so far it just hasn't been. And we've created we've created a lot of clear cut chances, and that's really positive to see. And I think um, obviously with the centre forward more clinical than Hosselu, we probably would have had a couple more goals. But at the same time, the work that Hosselu does, regardless of the goals, is massive. And you've got to ask yourself, well, is there anybody else who could who could replicate that and bring the goals? So it's it's you know there's. There's two sides to it. Um, obviously, the other the other surprise. I'm saying surprise. I mean, when it's a Rafa Benitez coach squad, it's not really a massive surprise. But it has been the the solidity at the back. Um, Clark and Lascelles. I think you've just alluded to it, Ben. They've just looked absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, barring Clark's um, wobble at huh. uh, was it was it Brighton the wobble or was it Liverpool last week? Liverpool, what he pressure. It was great skill actually. <laughs> he put the put well, the striker yeah. off. They didn't score so. Yeah. Exactly, it was the kind of skill that um, Hossello used when he played a one-two with Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, and also I tell you who who did surprise me against the because I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Was um, was Yedlin again? Another player that another, I mean, I don't know if you've read anything about his performance for the US against Panama at the weekend, but apparently he's out, out of this world. And there's been a couple of articles saying yeah, it's because he's taken on board what Benny does and the coaching staff. I tell him, but, but um, again, Norman, Norman, he's shite, man. Remember, oh, uh, Sunderland fans said he was shite. They also said Mankio was shite. These are oh, rubbish footballers, aren't they? Um, and I, I mean, the, the biggest surprise for me, and, and it's on the on the plane again. It's to do with the players. It's Marino. I mean, we, you know, I, I follow Spanish football quite closely, um, and I'd only kind of heard of him due to his um, his part in Osasuna going up a couple of years ago. He banged in like three goals in the two playoff games, and we got well, in touch that year. <laughs> We got, we got in touch with that journalist and the journalist was like I mean you, but you saw the article he was singing his praises um, yeah. and I, I really thought there's a little bit of hyperbole yeah, because he's a local lad who's done well for his local side and I mean he's he, he's surpassed the hyperbole and I know it's only been five or six games but he's been he's just been a cut above um, and that's that's been a brilliant surprise for me yeah that's I pretty much can't disagree with anything you've said there what I would also say that's impressed me from the management and the players is like there was no panic. There was panic on social media, which you're going to get. It would happen at any club, not just Newcastle. You know when we lost those... Well, it was a draw against Forest, extra time defeat. Um, and people were saying relegate and, and were shite and this and that. And a lot of the people who were very negative in the summer kind of felt justified by by that. But 
I just felt the whole camp, and, it, and it, we should expect it from Rafa, of course, but it was very, very calm before that West Ham game, and I, I kind of think that same as last season, they all knew that it was it was looking good on training and things were right off the pitch, so it would eventually come on the pitch. Um, one of the things which has probably impressed me most is how dangerous we'll look from set pieces. Like that wasn't necessarily a part of last season. Whether that's because set set piece taken in the championship is more difficult because teams are better at defending them. I don't know, but we weren't like we weren't scoring loads from. In fact, we didn't really. It wasn't really a feature of our play last season. Set piece goals. This season, obviously, we've come into it massively. Not only have we scored, we've had other chances from it. And it's like when when you're coming against teams, I can't really defend in this league. And with a lot of the teams being much of a muchness and the lines between success and failure, as we saw against Brighton and Huddersfield, being very fine, making sure that we're a real danger from set pieces will be massively valuable uh, this season. And again, it's just something we've never seen from a Newcastle team before, really. Not not in my match attending lifetime. Norman, to back up something you said there about the supposed chasm between the Premier League and the Championship, you've just got to look at how the teams who've gone down into the Championship have fared apart from us. You know, Norwich, Nout, nowhere near playoffs last season, realistically. Sunderland, hilarious. You know, I, I didn't realise they've got seven points from 11 games. I, I, I don't know what the, like, the switch is going to be. Like, I think a lot of the fans are just expecting to go, like, claw themselves away from trouble. Seven points from 11 games in that league. Um, you know, Villa, is, it's, it's costing about 100 million quid just to break into the top 10 <laughs> of that division. Um, you know, who, who went down last season as well? Hull, really poor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they looked all right at the latter end of last season. They've spent some money as well. Um, Sunderland, Hull, and who else went down? All right. Bora again, not in the playoffs, not looking good. So it it, it does it, it does tell you a little bit that the, the, the championship seems to be improving in competitiveness, particularly in relation to the strength of the Premier League. But I suppose we you know, if we were sat here on in fifteenth or sixteenth place, being the positive people that we are, would still probably say not all right, we're not Palace. But if we you know, we play you know, Palace play Chelsea this weekend, by the time they come to us assuming they lose, which they might not because it's football, but the form book Chelsea's away form is, is superb Palace are shite and can't score they've got loads of injuries you've got to be suggesting that Palace will be coming to um, our place with with the potential of us going at least 13 possibly 14 or or 17 points or 16 points behind me now, all of them yeah they're all possibilities but that, that's a huge gap isn't it do you mean that's a huge gap after 11 games I mean that tells you a lot about Palace but Palace will still believe they can get out of trouble and if we're 13 points ahead of them say or even 11 or 12 points ahead of them that would be disappointing because we want to I'd expect us and hope would beat them but uh, you know I would definitely be looking towards the, the top end of the table rather than the bottom end of it but we'll see uh, January will be its usual head fuck um, under Mike Ashley let's just hope that there aren't any players who attract significant interest um, from from other clubs but I'm sure I'm sure that'll be okay the, an issue we need to touch on is the supposed four parties who are interested in buying Newcastle United three of them according to newspaper reports have signed non-disclosure agreements I don't know about you lads but I don't believe that for a second uh, it makes no. it makes no sense that all of these buyers would suddenly appear at once. <laughs> you make the argument that once one appears, it sets the others into motion. But I honestly just just can't see it. Um, 
the Amanda Stavely Stavely links, uh, you know, newspaper reports in the mirror saying they want to buy Liverpool and it would cost them more than a billion. Um, I know who the better investment is there, and it's been widely reported that she jumped out of her seat and went, you know, nuts when Hoslow scored, barked against Liverpool. Well, that would be a bad PR move, wouldn't it? Like, you know, welcome to Liverpool. I'm delighted to buy the club, and someone plays her a video of her doing the Hoslow song, at one uh, one at St James's last week. <laughs> so. Can't, can't say that on myself, and it seems like a lot of Keith Bishop inspired, inspired PR. Um, what I do know is Newcastle United is a fantastic proposition. Uh, it has one of the best stadiums in Europe, in my opinion. The stadium can be redeveloped. Don't listen to any horseshit that tells you, like Mike Ashley PR, that tells you the stadium can't be expanded behind the Gallagher end. It can, um, provided that land isn't acid-stripped by Ashley, as we've discussed before. Uh, it's still there, so it could still be developed. Be expensive, but so what? Um, you know, we've got a world class manager, we've got a support that can be grown both inside and outside of the northeast of England. Um, if if you're gonna invest in any business or invest in a football club, this would be the football club to invest in, not something like Liverpool, in my opinion, but it's not my money. Um Mick Martin has written an article that's on True Faith now through Black and White Eyes, which goes into this in far more detail and far better than I have. So I would urge everyone listening to this to read that. Um, I'll post a link in the description of this podcast, so please do. Um, you just want to add anything to that, lads, or have I, have I covered it? Um, I, uh, I'm, I know this sounds ridiculous, but every time I'm reading or hearing anything to do with a potential takeover, I'm pretty much closing my eyes, putting my fingers in my ears, looking at the wall and just shouting obscenities at it because uh, I kind of... I, 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 first, first off, I don't want to get my hopes up. Second... There've been so many stories um, during Ashley's um, what shall we say? We we'll call it a tenure. Go on, I um, that that haven't come true. I just I can't I can't bring myself to to believe anything that comes out of the club when it's easier until there's like there's physical evidence of it. So um, to a certain extent, I'm almost trying to ignore it and just focus completely on on the, on the football team itself. I mean, Stavely coming to the game is is the physical evidence, isn't it? It's like. That that's the evidence that everyone was looking for, you know. That it's no mistake. She 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 has got to be in there to at least sound out a potential purchase of Newcastle United. You would go to fucking Anfield yeah, exactly. if you were gonna. She was at the Stoke game as well. Yeah. Um, if she wants tickets in the singing section, we know people who can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're listening, Amanda, um, Sile si play the drum. <laughs> um, badly according to some people, but we'll not go there. Um. Aye, but we'll, time, time will tell. I just, I just hope it doesn't destabilise things from the pitch too I much. Don't, I don't, I don't think it will. I don't. I honestly don't. I bet the players really aren't that bothered about it. Really, it's not it the players. It's, it's more funds for January. If there's a sale going on, you know, does it restrict spending by the club or, do, you know, there's all sorts. Let's to, be honest. It whatever they fucking need, whatever story they need to spin. To have an excuse not to spend in January, they're gonna fucking do it. So we we know they weren't they're probably not gonna spend in January. The the, the folks fuck were over last season by not doing it when it apparently it was promised. I'm not anticipating we're doing a lot in January, but I'm I'm comfortable with the squad we've got that we we can get over that and, and let Rafa if if he does manage to do any business, it'll it'll be very shrewd and it'll be spot on. Exactly what we need. Yeah. Um I suppose then we'll move on. Uh, last couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, just something personal. 
well, not just me, but the other lads, I particularly, um, Mick Martin as well, we, we no longer have anything to do with Gallagher Flags. You might have seen some of the stuff on social media and True Faith. Um, so, so those of us at True Faith have decided to to let it go and, and close it down, as it were, but but not close it down. <laughs> it's going to continue bigger and better under a new direction of new people who will make themselves clear. Uh, the fans group War 1892 are going to take the lead on this one, which I'm delighted with. Um, you know, couldn't have handpicked better people to take it on. And, us, you know, a few people have asked why, and it's it's no real um, one single reason. I mean, Gallagher Flags was, well, Mick Martin last summer put something on True Faith saying we need to get some kind of flag displays going at the Gallagher end. And I took that on and, and started Gallagher Flags. Um, and since then, it's grown. We plan to raise money for a couple of flags in the Gallagher end, maybe a grand's worth. We'll raise, I think, the final fundraising figure is about 23 grand in just over 12 months. And that's obviously all of your money. And by you, I mean the Newcastle United fans. You know, a lot of you listening to this podcast were the first people or amongst the first people to ever hear about it when I announced it on the podcast during last summer. Um, and loads of you listening, I know, have, have donated to it. So thank you very much for that. Um, you know, the, the, the people who are taking it forwards have been involved for a long time anyway you know they've got a fantastic position to take it on they've got 20 grand's worth of flags um, I've transferred the remaining Gallagher flags balance which is over a thousand pound in cash to them um, and they've all got experience and ideas anyway in, of, of developing um, flag displays and the people at Warham are known and respected by people within the football club because uh, they were instrumental in bringing about the singing section which we praise so much um, so I don't think it won't be called Gallagher Flags anymore so RIP Gallagher Flags it was fun while it lasted and from a personal point of view the, the display against Liverpool was so successful and the manager you know the manager's been in touch um, both through the media and privately to say that he, he really enjoyed the display um, so you know that, that was the whole aim of it um, Norman did the translation so he, he deserves most of the credits it was his message really um, so yeah, it was just I just felt it was a time for us to move on. And when I say new direction, re- realistically, a lot a lot of the lads who are taking it on had been had been the direction of it for a long time anyway. You know, you know I'll I'll have to be honest and say like you know we did start it, we got it off the ground, we we'll give it the credibility that it did. But from about well certainly a a significant part of last season, it was a much bigger thing than just us. It was a, a huge group coordinated effort and. A lot of people who who don't seek the limelight and purposely stay behind the scenes deserve a lot of credit, and they they're the ones that drive it really. So it just seemed like the right time to let it grow into something much bigger than it was. It's no longer just about flags; it's about atmosphere, it's about um, support for the team, and it's about an identity at one part of the stadium. And I think it's fantastic that a new group has emerged to create something similar. These flags are at the other end of the ground, and I'd urge people to invest in them and support them. But the people who are going to take on Gallagher Flags. And I don't know what it's going to be called. I don't Obviously, I'm not part of it anymore. We've kind of said we're, we're thanks and goodbyes to those people from a flag organisation perspective um, at the back end of last week. But I'm really excited to see what they come up with. Um, and they'll, they'll obviously still get our full backing. So can't wait for that. Um, I don't think there's anything else needs to be said on that front. But thanks to everyone who supported Gallagher Flags and came to the quiz nights, the two quiz nights that... Um, we hosted, uh, you know, between them raised nearly uh, £6,000. Um, they were instrumental in getting the surfer flags, which are now uh, recognisable on the Gallagher in both corners. So 
you know we might, we might do you know we did our first true faith event um a few weeks back we're looking into doing further ones in the future but uh, from a flag perspective i kind of feel we've done our bit our job's done i hope people enjoyed what we did uh, and i'm looking forward to the people who are now responsible in the leading this on at the next chapter because i've got absolutely no doubt it'll be bigger and better than anything that we did when we were leading it Is that all right lads <laughs> all right um sky sports and the discussions about football on christmas eve norman your thoughts on newcastle having to play west ham on sunday the 24th of december please well being being based in london i mean i think it's a wonderful decision and i applaud sky <laughs> no, um, uh, I think it's 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 a it's a it's a shocking decision um, uh, to make. I mean, obviously, you're not making people do anything um, with regards to following the football team, but for fans who want to go to watch Newcastle away from home, to send to to ask them to go to London on on Christmas Eve, I mean, what what words are there for it? I mean, there's there's nothing you can see. It's just a it's a calculated cool piss, decision. It's a piss take. It's a piss take. Yeah, it's just I think that the, it just shows that they have literally they do not give a fuck like zero there's zero sort of consideration for the fans left in this and they'll do what they want to suit their own their own means and it's it's just another another piss take. I mean, we've we they've, they've already got we're fucking going to the arse end of the country every other week on <laughs> Sunday for the away games and it's just another thing just where they've literally do not give a fuck and it's just at some point, it's it's going to cost them. Hopefully, well, we'll include I'll include BT Sport in this as well because I don't know if either of you've seen, but um, the other night, um, uh, BT Sport they put conference games on, and uh, they had Tranmere against Leon Orient. I think it was on a the shift of the game to a Monday night. Leon Orient Tranmere. So obviously, you know, this is London up to up to the Wirral, um, and which is shocking enough for for Leon Orient supporters. Fair enough, there'll only be a handful making the trip in anyways, but there are still fans who will go up there and. Um, there was a lad sat in the in the weekend, rolled up look, like in his fifties, um, you know, and he stood out with massive beard. He's there on a Monday. He, he just he stood out on a physical level. In BT Sport, put a tweet up that was just taking the piss out of him. They got a massive backlash from it, and it's just a little incident, but it's all part of the bigger picture of of Sky and BT not giving a fuck about the fans. It's absolutely nothing to do to do with with them, and it's uh, it just it doesn't even leave a bad taste in the mouth. It just it just makes you angry. Here's my take on it, and I obviously broadly agree with you too. I don't. I work in an industry and a business. You know, the service industry essentially, where we all work. I work every Christmas day. A lot of staff, all my staff, work Christmas Eve, etc. So I hear a lot of this argument saying it's a family day. They shouldn't be trying to to move things to a family day. Well, well, Boxing Day, there's football on it. So I'm I'm not entirely sure about that argument because the the vast majority well not the vast majority if you're lucky enough to get that whole Christmas and New Year period off I'm really pleased for for everyone and that's brilliant and must be a fantastic time for 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 some of us and other people in other industries it's one of the busiest times of year everyone has to work and 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 it working and it's kind of a normal working day Christmas Eve but it is a normal working day unless you kind of work in in schools or or stuff like that but certainly all the shops are open. Um, the service industry is, you know, restaurants, bars, taxi companies, the rest of it. Everyone else is still at work, so I don't, I don't see the problem too much from that point of view. the The main issue is that the complete lack of transport there will, that there will be to get Newcastle United fans back from London. And Norman, what what I found interesting about what you said there was that they aren't forcing anyone to do anything. 
that's part of the problem and that's part of like that's part of the worrying mindset through the supporters trust and i think i'm going to try and do a, get a video out tomorrow uh, on the supporters trust twitter we've got a board meeting tomorrow night where we're going to discuss this but the supporters trust has already uh, kind of aligned itself with numerous other supporters trusts from up and down the country from condemning this move um is you know someone from the sports trust told me that when they spoke to someone from sky uh when someone said you know Newcastle united fans have been given a total run around by sky because you put southampton um brighton, brighton and swansea at the most literally the most inc- inconvenient weekend tv slot they said well we don't think about things that way but when you write it down you're right it doesn't look good whether you say that's insincere, whether that's just... Just to me, that sounds completely... Like, I can't say that at all. I can't believe that these incredibly well-paid people who work in the football industry wouldn't consider the effect that would have on one set of football fans, the same set of football fans who are going to be screwed over again. But back to what you said, Norn, about... You know, they, they could argue that they're not making anyone do anything. But that that's the thing about football fans and football clubs. It's... it's the, yes, they aren't making anyone do anything, but it's the people who are desperate to do everything they can to support their club. People who are desperate to go to the Olympic Stadium because we've not been before. People who are desperate just to... you got people might might not have missed an away game in 20 years or, or whatever, or two years or, or two months, whatever it is. Everyone's got their own reasons. And the scary thing about this for me, it's just one more move into how much can we get away with, how far can we push this group, this demographic, these football fans who travel away from home. And it's a small percentage because what will our allocation be 3,000? Someone at the club once told me they had an email database of about 300,000 people who have actively signed up to receive information or buy things from Newcastle United. So my maths is no good, but is that like 1%? Probably less. Yeah. 1% of, of Newcastle United support will be inconvenienced by this. But it's, it's, it's really, it's far more than 1% because if they get away with this, When's the next 10 o'clock kickoff in the morning? When do they start playing games at half nine at night? When do they start playing games at four o'clock in the morning to satisfy Asian audiences? Now, it sounds far-fetched, and I'm sure it is, but these th- this decision is is purely to make money. And, and probably the amount of money that is inconsequential to, to a company like Sky and Sky Sports, you're talking, you know, 0.001% of annual turnover or turnover or profitability and stuff like that it honestly sky sports will be just fine by leaving these fixtures and leaving that sunday alone sky sports will get on just fine but they're still despite all of the the opposition despite all of the protestations they're still from media reports going to push ahead from this they're going to try and do as much as they possibly can and if they get away with it it's just another victory for the for the for the money people on the tv people and you know you've seen oh what a miss um, you've seen the opposition, like I've said, from supporters groups, even football clubs, Liverpool and Arsenal, have come out and said this. Um, I firmly believe in that Newcastle United or and West Ham, but West Ham won't, um, should refuse to play this game at that time. It sounds sounds severe. Say no, thank you. We don't want to be on TV. I don't care what the contract says. We don't want to be on television. Uh, the the well being and the. Um, you know the fact that the, these number of supporters will be so inconvenienced. Not the likes of Norman, who lives in London, but the rest of them who are, who are going to have to take coach travel or drive, because obviously they can't just stay over to Christmas Day the next day. Um, the fact that these people, the bit as you say, Ben, they basically couldn't give a shit about them uh, for 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 an amount of money 
to them, which will which is inconsequential. You know, Sky have got a certain number of contracted televised games across the season. They will be able to find those televised games elsewhere. Of course, yeah. so it literally they, Sky Sports, if they didn't do this, would be fine. The world would not end for Sky Sports. No one would notice. No one at Sky would probably notice. And for them to still do this, I just think it's really important football fans to take a stand. And I would never tell any fans how to behave or what they should or shouldn't do. I'm not here. I would be going. To, I would definitely go to that away game if it's Christmas Eve. I wouldn't go. I'm in Australia. Um, you know, me and Sai uh, were going for the Ashes in Australia in December and January. So, well, not we wouldn't be here anyway. But if I was here, I wouldn't go to that game, even though I'm quite capable of driving there and back. That's probably something I would have looked into doing anyway. But. I would hope that there are some people who think, you know what, enough's enough. Football fans have got to take a stand about some of the things that happen to them. And if we don't, it, you know, they, they talk about the next round of foreign um, TV rights, which are already worth billions, um, being with five times as much as the current one um, in the next round of tendering. And, you know, if, if it's, it, it sounds silly to play games, it's ludicrous times. Uh, to be kicked off I mean really ludicrous it might sound mental and far-fetched but if these people have proven that they're only interested in making money out of us as as a group of people um, I think this is one of the most important issues as has come up this season and I sincerely hope that Sky Sports do the decent thing and withdraw the uh, suggestion if they do do it I really hope the football club um, make a stand because the people running the club have done lots of things wrong and no one's going to forgive them for their previous crimes just by you know, taking a stand on one thing, but I tell you what, they would, they would, ha- they would have a lot of, a lot more of my respect for doing something like this than uh, just letting Sky Sports force Newcastle fans to go to London on a Christmas Eve. Have I summed that up all right? <laughs> Thoughts? Spot. <Well>. Right. <laughs> Norman, are you still there, Norman? No, he's not. He's gone. He's gone, but that's all right. Well, um, no, no, you all right? Because we're at the end of the show. <laughs> Um, so that was it that was the True Faith podcast thanks very much um, 45 minutes of patter about Newcastle and that um, we will be back for you I'll be doing a Southampton preview this Wednesday or probably Thursday with, us, with the game being on a Sunday and then we'll look to get the main Southampton show out uh, next Monday so thanks for listening we're up to 96 positive reviews now on iTunes it'd be class to get uh, or the podcast app whatever you want to call it it'd be class to get 100 so thanks everybody who's done that And uh, yeah, cheers, Ben, for your time. Thanks to Norman, even though he's disappeared. And we'll speak to you again soon.